and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, wherever you stream the video content uh, that you so desire, because then you get to see the beautiful faces of Carter Augustine and Ali Trost and my old ugly mug as well. And by the way, new backdrop for me, guys. It's too nice outside today to be in the basement, so I apologize if you hear some birds chirping or some wind, but uh, sorry, not sorry, because I'm on the back deck uh, today doing the show. I, it, I, I couldn't sit inside and do this thing. So uh, we've got a lot to get to on the show coming up today. Felipe Hernandez is going to join us. One of the young kids that has been carrying the midfield for Sporting KC ever since the return to home markets phase of MLS play. He got another start over the weekend in front of his family. We're going to talk to him about all of that. We will recap the 1-0 victory for Sporting KC over their, uh, their nicest rivals, Minnesota United, to win the series, at least unless they play each other again. Who, who knows? <laughs> the rest of 2020. And, uh, and we're going to preview the next phase of games. Three games coming up that we know about on the schedule Sporting KC. So with that, I'll bring in uh, the, the two regular uh, contributors on the show, Carter Augustine in front of the scarf wall uh, at uh, Compass Minerals uh, facility and Ali Trost. Carter, what's up, man? How are you? Doing great, Nate. I wish I was outside. Uh, I think props to you taking full advantage of this beautiful week we're having. Just, you know, it's a great thing about laptops and, uh, and wireless technology, right? And, uh, and Ali, uh, I feel like I'm really rubbing it in right now, uh, sitting outside as you uh, are on like week 96 of quarantine. Where, where are we at nowadays? It sure feels like it, although I did keep track today. I went back and counted 26 days. I have my sanity uh, scenic nature walks have been big for me. Make sure to obviously social distance on my way out of the apartment, but I would go sit on the balcony for this, although the train passing pretty frequently would not make <laughs> as nice of some background ambiance as the uh, birds and, and beautiful nature sounds of Overland Park. So I will stay inside, but yes, like I've been doing, staying inside, still COVID positive, but feeling good. And hopefully this weekend we can pull back a, a negative test for me. Positives of the hipster cro uh, crossroads apartment, beautiful view of downtown and the Kauffman Center and all those things. Negatives, uh, a little bit of extra gnat sound that uh, makes it harder to do shows. Way too close to Union Station. <laughs> the number of times that I've been recording a segment here or trying to do an interview and it's like just chugging, like I, I can't even, you know, do the noise because it's just, it's, it's very loud. It's not pleasant at all. It's not like, oh, you know, you can just, oh, maybe that was our washing machine. No, it is a train and you can hear it. So we'll see if we can hear it today, but. Paul McCartney uh, once said, uh, everybody lo loves the sound of a train in the distance. The key part of that is in the distance. Though. In the distance. <laughs> not in your backyard, I can tell you that. I tried to sleep with the window open the other night and it was just like every 30 or minutes or so. I'm like up till two in the morning, like what is going on? So. No windows open anymore in this apartment. <laughs> but you're, you're advanced in baking skills now, we understand. You've been bragging to all of our guests about that. Uh, banana bread is a thumbs up. The two ingredient bread rolls I tried to make the other night, major thumbs down. Very disgusting. Do not recommend anything that's only two ingredients and you put it in the oven. Probably is not going to come out very well, but I saw it on TikTok. <laughs> I was born at halftime of the Monday night football game and uh, yeah, 
far, uh, far ways to go before I become a, a Betty Crocker, Martha Stewart type, but we're, we're on the way. <laughs> Carter, have you picked up any, uh, any pandemic, uh, you know, hobbies, Are you, you, you culinary skills improving, anything like that? I would say I've been cooking a lot as well. So the culinary skills have, have definitely improved. That's been a benefit. Um, I've actually been working out more than, than I ever have before, just out of boredom. So I think that was, that was the key to finally get me to, to start doing some physical exercise. So that's been pretty good. Hey, we all need to find motivation somewhere. Now, now I know that you're working out. I'm going to really lean heavily on you to step up for the big steps, uh, 2301k that's coming up in uh in early october by the way Man, so. let, us, let us know what's the what, what are the details on that yeah carter thanks for uh for for giving me the opportunity i, I will go ahead and, and give a little plug to it as uh, a charity foundation that some friends of mine and i started nine years ago in honor of a friend of ours sean biggs that died of cancer and uh we put on a 5k 10k every year to raise money for cancer awareness we uh, raise money for kids who have lost their parents to cancer or have a parent that's battling cancer. And this year, we're also raising money uh, to help testing for employees of cancer centers that uh, that way cancer patients that are going in there at high risk during a pandemic can go into the facilities knowing that uh, they're safe and that the people that are treating them uh, are not COVID positive. So those are the things we're raising money for. And what we've decided to do this year, since we, because of the pandemic, can't really do the, the in-person 5K, 10K that we wanted to, we are doing a virtual race. It's a long story, but my friend Sean that had passed away was from Kansas, then lived in Boston after grad school. He ran for the Boston Athletic Association, ran the Boston Marathon a bunch of times, really plugged into the running community there. So Kansas City is, is, is basically taking on Boston in a virtual run for two weeks. We're calling it the Big Steps 2301K. That's how many kilometers from Kansas City to Boston. And we're calling it Cowtown versus Beantown. And uh, we basically are, what you do is you go on to bigsteps.org, B-I-G-G steps.org. You register for $25. And then you just put in as many miles as you can from October 4th to the 18th. So that's a two-week period. Now, by the way, this doesn't count like wearing your Fitbit around and just walking around the house getting your steps in does not count. These need to be miles that you either walk or run. It's got to be on foot too, no, no biking or anything. But Miles, you either walk or run specifically to take steps for the race, okay? So you go out of your house and you walk a mile. That's a mile. And then you go log it every night. We're going to add up the miles. Every day we're going to track how close Kansas City's getting to Boston and how close Boston's getting to Kansas City. We've got sponsors that are, that are putting incentives up for it. If we get to Boston first, we're going to win more money. There's a trophy on the line. And uh, we're going to basically take on the greatest running community in the country, the city of Boston. And we're going to beat them, Kansas City. And for you two, I have enlisted uh, a, 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 a professional, um, a peer of yours, ours, by the name of Elizabeth Pahoda. She is now the sideline reporter for the New England Revolution. And she just ran the virtual Boston Marathon on, uh, on Saturday of this weekend. And I talked to her, had a nice talk with her last week. She is going to try to help raise awareness on the Boston side of things, and she's going to participate. And so I want the two of you to challenge her, and uh, I want to see if, if one of you two can beat her for miles. 
No, or, here's no, no, no. Elizabeth fair. is one of my great friends. That girl could run more than Carter and I could bind. Like Carter, well, that's the challenge. The two of you combined. The two of you combined might have a chance. So <laughs> okay, you know. I'm down. I'm down. I'll try. You I'm know, what? I might. I might have to bring Tom in. We might like need to multiply our group by like five. That girl. Shout out to her. She does so many yeah. great things in the New England area and with the revolution, but she can also, uh, she has the physical stamina to, to do so as well. So yeah, I just saw those pictures. That's awesome. That's a really cool idea, Nate. And uh, I'm happy to help the Kansas City cause. Just don't put me up against Elizabeth. That's uh, <laughs> uh, even with Allie. I don't know. That just doesn't seem. Hey, doesn't, she's going to do one day and run a marathon and just, and I'm like, well, that's, I can't do that. Too. She can run more miles in one day than I probably do in like an entire year's time. Yeah. So. I'm hearing a lot of excuses from you two. And I got to be honest, I'm very disappointed right now because I think that she's going to be, the way you got to look at it, she's going to be tired from the Boston marathon thing. And so this is your chance to get her while she's worn out. She just played three games in 15 days or whatever it's called, you know, like, yeah. and, and so you, this is the time to pounce, but either way, I do appreciate you guys and, and spread the word. We, the, the way that we're going to beat Boston is, is quantity over quality because they got all these Boston athletic association guys that are some of the elite runners in the world. And they're all telling me they're going to run a hundred miles each over two weeks. Um, and that's all well and good but we're going to overwhelm them with our number of people that are doing it. And we're going to win this thing. Let's do it. And we're going to raise a lot of money for a good cause. So bigsteps.org. If, uh, if you guys get a chance, B I G G steps.org. Thank you for that uh, moment to, to plug away at that charity. Uh, meanwhile, on kick childhood cancer day, as we transition, September is kick childhood cancer. Month. I, I, the, the superhero scarf right behind Carter right there is perfect from last year. There you go. Um, Sporting Kansas City got a win, 1-0 over Minnesota United on Kick Childhood Cancer Day at Children's Mercy Park. And let's talk about it, guys, because at halftime, Allie, what are you thinking when Sporting KC's put up 15 shots and has no goals after in the second half of their last home game putting up 15 shots and getting no goals to show for it against FC Dallas? What was going through your mind at that point in the game? Well, at first, my thought was someone had to have moved these goals, right? I feel like they were just getting so <laughs> close, whether it was going wide or, you know, a couple shots over the top or a lot of pinball-type moments in the box that just couldn't seem to get a, the right touch on the end of them. But yeah, I'll be honest, at, at halftime, it felt like same old story that we've been seeing now this season where sporting will dominate majority of the possession, majority of the game, have a lot of great opportunities and just not be able to find that finishing touch. And, and this is even without Alan Polito, Eric Hurtado available and other players as well. It, it seems like it didn't even matter who was on the field at times that sporting had just kept, kept running into these unlucky moments. And it definitely felt like that on Sunday night. But like Peter Vermees said at the end of the game, if you're able to pull out a win, even if it's not always pretty, even if you've got so many opportunities, they finished with what, 20-something, uh, 20 26 shots uh, total, and, and you maybe only just get that one, that's all you need. And, and I think the most impressive part of this game wasn't that they were able to finally pull back a goal. It's defensively how well this team did to shut down a Minnesota team that had been really hot offensively and had the scoring spread out amongst 10 players over the last couple of games. So uh, just really impressed with Sporting's efforts and their ability to mentally stay in a, a very frustrating game. Yeah, I, that's kind of how I look. I think they would have been very frustrated not to win that game because of the way they dominated and, you know, the way Minnesota set up. 
which almost worked for them, which, you know, resting some of their big guns, trying to hold on for 60 minutes and then try and, you know, steal a result is, is kind of what it, it looked like to me, at least from, from Minnesota's point of view, coming off their, uh, their couple games in the week leading up to this one. So um, I think, you know, just an incredible uh, ball and, and well-timed run from, from Johnny Russell to, to break the deadlock there in, in the 80th minute or so. Um, They've created a lot of chances, and you, you have to hope that uh, they'll start converting them like they were at the beginning of the season. But yeah, the, uh, I think you know we heard from Matt Beazer before the game saying it. It felt like they really needed to win this, considering the four games before that, getting just the two points. So uh, it's a it's a big win, and, and like Ali, you just said, um, you you, you got to get the three points somehow. And we've seen a lot of championship caliber teams that lock up one nothings over over the course of a season so a one nothing scoreline um it's uh maybe not indicative of how how much more they had the ball and how many more chances they created but uh, it's all they needed in the end and uh, back to the kick childhood cancer just in case anyone's not aware if you tweet the hashtag kick childhood cancer this month uh, continental tire donates 25 dollars to pediatric cancer research it seems like the easiest $25 donation you can ever make in your life. And it's not even you making it. So it's, I, I just, you know, if you're listening, just tweet out hashtag kick childhood cancer all month long and uh, it'll go a long way. Yeah. There's usually a lot of people on Twitter that, that, you know, like to get on there and, and uh, make grandiose statements about how much they care about things, but it usually doesn't mean anything. You can actually tweet something that will donate 25 bucks. Actually, you can actually do something on Twitter that helps somebody. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Hashtag kick childhood cancer. It's a great shout Carter. I'll tell you what makes me most encouraged uh, and most excited about not just this result, but where sporting Kansas city find themselves right now. Yes. They're in first place in the West. We know there's a long way to go in this season and we know that it's very tight. They might not even be at, at first place by the time Saturday rolls around, but they're in first place while playing without their starting midfield from the beginning of the season with Alan Polito, the biggest signing in the history of the franchise money-wise, um, you know, he's on the bench. He's not available to play. These young players for Sporting KC are gaining valuable minutes. We, we are about to talk to Felipe Hernandez about how much he's just grown in five, six games. We've talked to Jean-Luc Abusio, and not only has he told us how much he's grown as a player in those games, you can see it. I mean, it's almost like watching one of those stop-action films of a plant growing out of the ground. Um, as it's just like It seems like it's happening at this rapid pace, and you can see every game. He just gets more and more comfortable and aware these guys are getting these type of minutes and the team's not falling to the bottom of the standings as a result of it. I don't know where sporting is going to end up this season. I don't know where the season's going to go, but most oftentimes the fear, we always hear play your kids, play your kids. That's, that's a common refrain in, in today's MLS, but it's easy to tell someone else to play their kids when you aren't the one that has to suffer the consequences of those kids going out on the field and suffering growing pains. And there have been some growing pains. But for Sporting Kansas City to be able to go through all of those growing pains, suffer some of those fits and starts that young players might have, and still win at least enough games or get enough results, 
to be in the mix for the number one seed in the West, if and when the playoffs come, what more could you ask for? And now all of a sudden, if and when some of these veteran players come back and are able to play later in the season when it's really, um, it, it's really crunch time, you've got this, this group of young players who are buoyed by this confidence and experience that they've gotten through this part of the schedule. Carter, to me, like how, what more could you ask for if you're trying to develop some young players right now? I mean, it's a, a scoreless game, and, and the coaching staff elects to bring on Cameron Duke in, in this past game against Minnesota United, and he had a, a real impact. Um, yeah, I, I think you're, you're spot on, and, and we've talked about it, Allie, a few times in that what Nate just said, um, they're getting these, these experiences now so that perhaps in the future when it gets to crunch time, they can make a, a real difference having already played and already kind of got the, maybe the nerves out of their system a little bit. Absolutely. I, I've been saying this now for a few weeks and, and you see the criticism online. Well, play the kids, we'll score goals. Well, here's the thing, Nate, I think you put it perfectly. They're getting valuable minutes that down the stretch when it really matters and you get into playoff ball, we might be seeing Cameron Duke rip a shot off that is the difference between a win and a loss. We might see Felipe Hernandez make a crucial pass that results in an Alan Polito goal. We might see them more productive on the stat sheet when it comes to scoring and assisting goals. I also think it's important to note that this Minnesota team got aggressive at halftime. They switched up their formation. They try to be more aggressive in the attack and they bring in their new signing Reynoso who they limited to just 50% pass completion in that game. They really cut off a lot of his opportunities and I think made it really tough for Minnesota down the middle of the field and even down the flanks. And if you look at that midfield and that, that middle third of the field, that was controlled by John Luca Busio, by Cameron Duke, by Felipe Hernandez to close out that game. And I just am beyond impressed at their ability to not just transition back and play defense, but to also get forward in the attack and really contribute to yeah, a, a, an attack that really struggled to find the back of the net on Sunday night, but but one that had a lot of great opportunities. And I think that those opportunities are only going to make these players better. And these experiences are going to become like muscle memory where, again, down the stretch, you need those experiences to to rise to the occasion in those moments. And that's what is building right now for these young players. Reynoso only completed 50% of his passes in the game. I hadn't seen that Six stat. of 12. Six of 12. Wow. So he was very... I, you know, you can look at a couple of other factors there, but I think from a productivity standpoint, he wasn't as nearly as productive as he could have been. And, and he played just under 30 minutes of that game. So I think that says a lot. And John Luca Busio, that was a big matchup for him. Well, he came on kind of like a false nine. And I think you have to give a shout out to the SKC coaching staff for making their change to a false yeah. nine. Scotty Kinda, considering kind of the, the limited options they had in this particular game and it winds up leading to the goal I, and Johnny Russell talked about it but when Keenda comes in he's playing the false nine and he's going to drop a little bit deeper and Russell's got to be the one in, that runs in behind and he and he saw that and uh, turns out that that tactical adjustment is what wound up leading to the goal as well so um, it was it was interesting to see Minnesota go with it but uh, sporting went with it and, and it really worked for him. Yeah, that might have been a case of uh, necessity being the mother of invention when both Hurtado and Polito are in street clothes and Kyrie Shelton starts to have some muscle tightness, according to Peter Vermees, and they wanted to be careful. They didn't want it to turn into a, a situation where he's out for two to three weeks. And 
all of a sudden Keenan goes in there. And like you said, Carter, and, and you have to give credit to the players on the field for taking advantage of their advantage at that point, because all of a sudden that's a tiny lineup out there with Russell, with the, with the, you know, three headed attack of Gerso, Russell and Gotti Keenan. Russell's the big guy in that, <laughs> you know, in that um, trio, but all of a sudden, and then Cameron Duke in there, there's pace. And, and those four little guys darting in and out, not knowing where they're going to pick up, all of a sudden that caused a lot of problems for that, that Minnesota back line. Yeah, Matt well, Beasley, I, sorry, Alan, ahead, Matt Beasley after the game, he actually credited the front line, including Kyrie Shelton, for throughout the game, the runs that they were making and perhaps not getting rewarded for them. And he said that just kind of takes a toll on, on a back line. And my, uh, my new vantage point during these games on the sideline, I'm kind of in the corner. And uh, I was on that side with Johnny Russell in the second half and actually watching him and Gasper had come in for the second half. So that was a, a really good battle to watch throughout that second half. But he kept trying to get wide to to the, the touchline and make that that diagonal run and kind of lose Gasper. And it was really fascinating to watch throughout the entire game. And then for Matt Beezer to say after the game, hey, you have to credit these guys because they ran them ragged. These runs in behind are really difficult to deal with. And uh, it's, it's, you know, you're not always going to get rewarded, but it, you do it because sometimes, sometimes you will. And then you have to be a, a good enough player to, to finish. In, and that's what Johnny Russell did. Well, and have to include Jerusa Fernandez in this conversation as well. You talk about their defensive efforts up top. Each of them had a ton of pressures and a ton of, and no, not a ton of blocks, but they, they really did put up some great numbers on the stat sheet in terms of the pressure and the, and the blocks that they were winning at, in the attacking third of the game. And that really was a difference maker that shut down Minnesota fast and early. And then you counter that with the fact that they've got so much speed going forward. They caused a ton of problems for a Minnesota defense that, you know, again, this, this, the final score is, is not indicative of just how dangerous the Sporting Kansas City attack was, not just on the offensive side of the ball, but defensively as well. So Sporting gets the win by a score of 1-0. They're back in first place, at least for now. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, one of those young players that keeps growing in confidence and experience is Felipe Hernandez. He's going to join us next on the Sporting Kansas City Show. And the Sporting Kansas City Show continues on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, and, of course, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you stream your online video content, be that on the 810 Facebook page or the 810 YouTube page uh, and podcasting. All of that, we appreciate it no matter how you're getting the show as uh, we are talking first place Sporting Kansas City, and we're talking with one of those young, homegrown players – who, according to Johnny Russell, continues to grow in confidence, and the more confidence they get, the more annoying they get, was, a, was what Johnny said after the game, after Sporting got a big 1-0 victory on Sunday night. Uh, Felipe Hernandez joins us on the show now. Uh, hello, Felipe. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing good. Um, thank you guys for having me. So what's your reaction to, uh, to Johnny's? He was obviously, he was tongue-in-cheek. He was joking. But he said that uh, he was asked a question about you and the other young guys that are getting a lot of playing time over the last five or six games. And he said, the more confidence, uh, the more annoying you guys get. What's your, what's your response to Johnny's uh, comment there? <laughs> uh, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, we're all 
confidence and, and trying to annoy him as much as he annoys us. So uh, we're trying <laughs> to play with him. So. so, okay, what does he do? What's been, what is like the most annoying Johnny Russell moment of the 2020 season thus far, especially in the last couple of weeks? Most annoying? I don't know. There's a lot. I mean, he, <laughs> he, he's a lot to handle, but um, yeah, he's a cool guy. I mean, it's, it's good to have that in the locker room. Just, um, just like, just the banter in the locker room. He brings a lot of like energy and, and just happy moments in the locker room. But um, annoying, I, I couldn't tell you one because there's too many. How long we got, right? Um, how long is it? Um, first of all, hey, Felipe, I got to uh, commend you on your, your background. It's a nice painting you got. It's a lot, lot uh, stronger background than some of your teammates. Yeah, I don't know. My, my parents got me that a few weeks ago, or a few months ago. So I dig it. I dig it. Strong, uh, strong Zoom background game. So props yeah. to you there. Um, kind of based off of Johnny's joke, I was wondering, you know, do you are, do you feel like you're growing in confidence out there on the field, considering all the minutes you've been getting recently? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, it's tough to to transition from uh, from playing all these like USL minutes and and everything, uh, and then all of a sudden playing like MLS minutes and stuff. It's it's a tough transition to be honest and. Um, yeah, I've been gaining confidence uh, with every game, every start, or, or whatever appearance I make. But um, it's always good to get a run um, in every game. Like you said, every game builds confidence and, and um, builds towards something better. So what makes it tough? I mean, I think we can all imagine a few of the things, but what, what are the biggest differences you've noticed and what makes it so hard going from USL to MLS? Um, the level of play, honestly, like you, you guys probably knew that already, the level of play, the pace, um, it's gotta be, it's kind of something where you can't really make mistakes because, um, they're, they're pointed out and they're, they're visible. Um, in the USL, you can make a few, a few mistakes and get away with them. But here, um, in the MLS, it's just tougher to, if you do make a mistake, then it's, it's obvious to, to most people because the other, the other team, they're, they're obviously good enough to, um, to expose the team, like. Um, if you do something wrong, they'll counter or something. So um, you just got to limit the mistakes and, and um, yeah, you, yeah, limit the mistakes and, and, and do as much as you can. Felipe, Coach Peter Vermees, other veteran teammates have all given a lot of praise to you and the young players who have really stepped up, especially in this uh, third phase now of the MLS season. And I want to go back to something that you said when we talked to you after signing your first team contract last year. And you said that you're a type of player, you, you always want more, you're never content. And now that you've not only made the first team, you've broken into the starting lineup, what what more do you want now? What's that next height that you're trying to reach? Um, just keep keep starting. Um, get as many starts as possible. Get wins. Of course, that's that's the main goal to get wins with the team. Um, doesn't matter if I'm starting, if I'm coming off the bench, if I'm staying on the bench. Um, I just want to be available. Just be, just be a good team player. And if we can get wins, then, then that's all that matters. I'm glad Ali brought up that interview from last year when you signed. I thought it was a, a really good one. And if anyone hasn't listened, go back in the archives. Um, and another thing you brought up was kind of you saw yourself almost in a similar role as Roger Espinosa, similar skill set. Um, and we we talked to him earlier this year, and he actually brought up that comparison by himself. Uh, and he said that you remind him of a, a younger, and he said more talented version of himself at, at that particular age. Um, 
I know we saw you as his son in a, in a golf video down in Orlando, but uh, what's, the, what, what's the relationship like with, with Roger? Do you guys talk a lot about the, that midfield role? And I'm curious if he's kind of shed any, any insight into you guys being similar players like that. Yeah, um, he's, since, I've, since I came to the academy, he's always been, um, he's always like talked to me. He's always, I think he was like one of the first guys that was like, actually like, talking to me, trying to bring me into the team and like, um, I guess like surround himself with me and, and just try to make me feel comfortable and stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it was a few days ago he told me, um, there's no one else in this world that plays the same position as, as you do that will tell you as much as I do because um, I give you, I tell you to, I tell you everything to do and you do it and then it puts you on the field. So um, yeah, he's always, he's always been a nice guy to me and and cool and a good teammate. So yeah, he's a good guy. Is there, give us, can you give us a piece of advice, whether it's big picture or something that happened in a game that really stands out to you that Rogers told you over the past year or two? Um, it was last week. He told me, um, he told me, you just need to win. I'm telling you right now, you need to win three balls. I don't care if you intercept them, if you pick someone, if you pick someone off, if you strip them, whatever it is, I just want you to win three balls and, and we'll get, we'll get a result. And he would, after the game, I think he told me, he was like, see, I told you, I think you had three or four interceptions and we won the game. And he was like, I'm never wrong. I'm telling you the right things to do. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. not, yeah. I mean, yeah. Everything he says is, is beneficial. So. Well, not only that, you also pro provided a ton of pressure in the midfield, especially in this last game against Minnesota United. And Peter Vermees, after the game, mentioned just from a positional standpoint how well the team did and calling out the midfield. He's been asked about the young players just about every single press conference. You know, we talk about confidence and the growing confidence, and a lot of times that does come with knowing what you're doing. There's nothing that builds more confidence than just having everything kind of figured out. How how much more confident do you feel in what your assignments are on the field, where you should be, how to approach certain situations of the game? You know, wh where is that level of confidence at for you? Um, it's, it's getting there. I wouldn't say it's there hundred percent because there's sometimes I'm hesitant on some things that um, when I should press or when I should stay back. Um, it's kind of, kind of hesitant at times, but um, from the first game that I played, um, I, I'd say that, it's grown a lot, and as the game as the games go on, then I feel like it'll keep growing. So I'll get there soon, hopefully. So we talked to Matt Beasler on the pregame show for for this past game, and he said against Minnesota United, you guys really needed to win. Um, for a while there, it looked like the floodgates were were never going to break, but you get that that Johnny Russell goal, and you, and you get the win. What'd you make of the the overall performance, and I guess how are you guys feeling after getting those three points? Yeah, I thought it was a I thought it was a good performance overall. Obviously, uh, we wanted to score more goals, um, but at the end of the day, we scored more goals than they did, so we got the win. It was a good. Um, we created chances. I mean, we didn't put them all away, but um, it was good on that at, on that piece that we created a bunch of chances. And defensively, I, I thought we we stood ground well and um, made it tough on them. I don't I don't think they had any shots on goal, so um, that's always big. Um, a shutout's always big time, too. So, We're visiting with Felipe Hernandez. I have two questions for you to go back to some things you've said earlier in this interview, Felipe. And the first one is you, you mentioned the idea that, that the, the biggest challenge from going from USL to MLS is you just can't make mistakes because if you do, 
they get exposed and everyone's going to know about it. The other team's going to take advantage of it. And that makes perfect sense. At the same time, I heard Johnny Russell say after the game when he was talking about you young guys, one of the words that stood out to me was he used the word trust. We trust those guys. And any, all of us have spent enough time on a soccer field to know when you're on a field with guys that don't trust you, they don't pass you the ball, right? Like they don't, they, they don't believe you're going to be able to, to take care of things and you can feel it when you're in a game. So, so to that end, I also would think it's got to be really difficult to play a game being worried about making mistakes because then you're not playing with a free mind. So how, have, how do you approach that when you know you can't make mistakes but you can't be constantly worried about making mistakes, right? How do you balance that? And how have you grown in that uh, aspect of the game over these, you know, these last couple months? Yeah. I mean, it's good because we have, we have a bunch of veteran players and, and they know that, um, that as young players, you, you can't really, you can't really crush them for a mistake and because it, then it gets into your head and, and you start thinking about things. And like you said, you can't really play well. You can't think, so um, a few times when I did make a mistake on the field this past game, um, a few veteran players like Zeus, he was just talking to me, just telling me, just relax and stuff, like just play, just play simple or something. And yeah, I mean, just that that kind of encouragement keeps you going and keeps your mind free of of thinking the bad things. And um, yeah, because uh, when you do get kind of um, say you make a mistake, you kind of start thinking of it. Like when you're young, you start thinking and then you keep overthinking it. And then the next play comes and you're still thinking about the last play. So um, it's tough, but yeah, with the veteran guys, it's, it's kind of easier because they're, they're there to support instead of, um, instead of get on to you. Yeah. The, the other thing I wanted to ask about was, look, I, I know that size and power is, is far from the most important thing in the sport of soccer. It's not like American football or basketball or something like that. But, you know, you're a smaller guy. Cameron Duke's a smaller guy. Um, I, and I wonder about – and you play a physical type of, of soccer. We keep comparing you to Roger Espinosa. He's one of the most physical players in the league. Has that been a transition for you at all? Are you noticing anything about the physicality of play in MLS compared to USL? I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that experience. Um, to be honest, I'd say it's kind of the same. Um... I would say in the USL, everything's more, I'd say it's a little bit more, more aggressive in the okay. sense that um, in the USL, everyone just wants to show out. And as soon as someone gets the ball, they're right up your, like right up your butt and, and you have no time for anything. So like, it's, I would say it's a little bit more aggressive, but um, yeah, of course there's a little bit more of a, um, like stronger guys in the in the MLS maybe but yeah I don't know I, I would say it's pretty pretty even to be honest so the bigger difference is the speed and skill level it sounds like more more so than the physicality yeah yeah I mean there's guys from all over the world and in the MLS well in the USL too but um, there's just big time players in the MLS and it's you can see the difference in uh in skill sets Felipe, speaking of some of those big-time players, now that you've taken the field for sporting more on the first team, who's a player that you've played against that you were a little starstruck or like, oh, my gosh, I'm going up against insert player's name? Yeah, um, Darwin Quintero from the Dynamo. He, when I was about 10 years old, I always watched him on Columbus national team. And I watched him when he played in Mexico and just when he played everywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty crazy. I think the first time I played, or the first time I saw him in person was 
think last year in Minnesota when I signed like a three-day contract to play an open cup or just roster mm-hmm. and this year playing against them like two times it, it, I don't even know like it's just crazy because I was talking to my parents this weekend about that like 10 years ago I would have never thought oh I'm gonna be playing against this guy um, and in 10 years and yeah, I mean, on the field, I caught myself a few times just, like, looking at him and, like, what the heck, this guy is – this guy's good. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, what an incredible player as well. So that's uh, that's, pre- that's a pretty cool story, man. And you mentioned your, your parents. Um, they were here for, for the game this past weekend. Was that their first time seeing you for SKC? And, and what was that like uh, for them and for you? Yeah, I mean, it was – it's been, like, a month since they, they've been wanting to come and – but with all these away games, and I think we had home games like on the weekdays, so they couldn't come because of their work and stuff. Um, finally, this game was on a Sunday, so they they took Monday off, and um, yeah, and luckily I got a start, so it was even even better for them. I mean, they would have came anyways, but um, it was just special special that that they were there for a for a start. Is that when they brought you that painting? Uh, no, they should have brought me a new one. This was, this was a few <laughs> months ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, I want to go back to Quintero. Did you get his jersey afterwards? No, I didn't. I, I should have, but I didn't. <laughs> have I, you, last have you, year, go last ahead. Last year I asked him in Minnesota and then we had to do fitness. So I completely like, I said, I'll get it after. And then I just ended up forgetting and we were doing fitness. So. Well, the, with the way the schedule's going, you'll probably play Houston three more times this year. I was so just going to say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I have a few more chances. chances. <laughs> yeah. You got to do that, though. I mean, look, I, we talked to Jacob Peterson, who does the games with me, and he always said, look, I was never one of those guys. I didn't want to I didn't want to put someone that I was playing against on a pedestal, so I never asked for any jerseys. But now my career's over, and I'm kind of like, man, I should I should have got a few mementos from – it's 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 more of a sign of mutual respect that hey I, I went up against this guy and hopefully you can say you went up against him and beat him. Do you have any jerseys? Have you gotten any cool jerseys from anybody you've played against? Um, not in the MLS, but if you you guys remember Kevin Oliveira? Oh um, yeah. Yeah, when I think we played them in um, in Ottawa last year, we changed jerseys, so I have his jersey over there in my closet. So I think that's the. Uh, I think that's the only guy that I've ever swapped jerseys with. That's two, cool. two Swope Park Ranger legends right there. Yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> hey, well, maybe if you get uh, Quintero's jersey, you can replace the painting behind you with a nice shadow box oh, yeah. uh, of there the jersey go. there. But yeah, sure. uh, I'm curious, we were talking a little bit before we started the interview about quarantine and, and the unusual year of 2020. What is something, you know, this is the first time we've talked to you this season. What's something that you uh, did in quarantine that maybe not – not a lot of other people did any DIY projects, baking, any sort of hobbies that you picked up? Um, nothing, nothing other than playing Xbox and just watching movies. I mean, I'm, I'm really laid back. So, um, I didn't really try anything new. I just kind of watched TV, watched YouTube and Netflix and stuff and, and just played a lot of Xbox. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Any movie recommendations? From someone in, in quarantine yeah, stuff. Off the top of my head, I, I, I don't know. But if you haven't seen You, which you, you guys probably have, I mean, You is really good on Netflix. Okay. I'll add is that a movie list. or is that a show? Is that a series or a movie? It's a, it's a series. It's really good. Okay. There we what go. about, what's, what's the game of choice on the Xbox? Um, for me, it's Fortnite. Yeah. Fortnite and FIFA. 
my, uh, my, my, you're talking my son's language right now because I can't have a conversation with him that doesn't, uh, that doesn't get into Fortnite at some point. From what I understand, Marvel comic characters are in, involved in the game now. Is that right? Yeah, they're adding a bunch of stuff to it. I mean, it's getting, it's getting out of hand. Okay. I've got a feeling that well, hey, Felipe, they, they'll be playing this weekend. Like, I, 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 feel, I have yeah, a good feeling I'll have that to get your handle. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. We can work something out. My, my son has had a, no, a couple of knockdown drag out to uh, victory royales with, uh, with Kyrie on, on the uh, on the. I don't need Fortnite. some help with that. I, I didn't have too many, so I don't need some help. <laughs> he tells me the whole trick is getting in the right lobby. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true, too. He likes to put me on his team because then, uh, then you get in a bad lobby with a bunch of bad players. You have a chance to win. So yeah, that's the only purpose I serve in the game. That's called sandbagging, Nate. That's yeah, called sandbagging. Right. Hey, look, you got to find whatever niche it is that you have to get yourself on the field, no matter what the sport is. You know, you got to bring exactly. something to the table. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hey Felipe. hey, Felipe, congratulations on what's been an awesome run so far this season. Is your family still in town? You going to spend some more time with them, or are they back home now? Um, they're back home. They left yesterday, I think. Uh, they, they left in the morning, so they got back late at night uh, last night. Well, we're glad you got some time with your family. We're really enjoying watching you play right now, and uh, congratulations on everything. Best of luck the rest of the season. All right, thank you guys so much. That's uh, Felipe Hernandez. We'll take a break, and we'll preview the – next phase of the Sporting KC schedule. We've got three games coming up now that we know about right after we come back on the Sporting Kansas City Show. And we're back to wrap things up on this edition of the Sporting KC Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, all of the places you get your wonderful podcasts. We hope you subscribe and like it uh, and let everybody else know about it. And, of course, if you want to watch us on video on the 810 Facebook page or the YouTube channel, as we now, guys, move into phase two of part three of this stop-start 2020 MLS season. Saturday, 2.30, Children's Mercy Park, Sporting KC against FC Dallas. Then the following Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. against Orlando City. And then the following Sunday, September 27th at 8 o'clock Central Time at the Colorado Rapids. Guys, I think it's pretty obvious why Orlando City's in there out of those three teams. But how do you figure FC Dallas and Colorado made the, uh, made the run? No idea. <laughs> oh, it's hey, like look. Groundhog's Day this season. <laughs> My God. Hey, I, I, we have a little fun with the schedule, and, and obviously that is a bit of a non-sequitur Orlando City. I don't know why they ended up being the team that Sporting KC gets. I don't envy the schedule makers in MLS. They've got a million different things to navigate right now, and they're doing the best they can. And I'm not going to complain because we'll take games. I, I want games. I want Sporting to have something to play for, and that's what they've got. Let's start with this game at 2.30 on Saturday against FC Dallas. Uh, Carter, this is a rematch of a game at Children's Mercy Park. Uh, FC Dallas have sold another one of their players over to Europe, the, one of their top strikers. Uh, they, they already sold Reggie Cannon as well. Um, and Paxton Pomacall is out. But something tells me they're going to come to town and make themselves a very difficult team to beat, just like they did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And um, we saw Costa go down in that game. I think that was a, a big game changer for them. Um, he hasn't played since. 
Yep. But uh, they did have their new guy come in, Ricarte, and uh, wow, what a goal he scored against Houston, huh? I mean, that might be mm-hmm. goal. Absolute rope uh, of a volley, a side volley. I mean, one, yeah, one of my favorite goals that's been scored all season. So maybe he'll be a, a big difference maker. But last time we highlighted the kind of the young talent on each side. FC Dallas, of course, known for bringing players through the ranks and SKC as well. So I'm hoping we get to see a little bit more of that and, and maybe a little rivalry between the, the academy products for both sides coming up. But um, sporting, I think, play, I think we're disappointed to have a draw in that Dallas game, considering how, how they controlled after the first 15 or 20 minutes or so. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the rematch. Yeah, Carter, totally agree and think that, you know, this is a sporting team now that has a lot of momentum moving forward. They got that that win finally out of the way that they've been clawing and scratching at. And I think if there's one thing we've learned in this very unusual 2020 season, it's that the standings don't necessarily indicate how the game's going to go. And even though this Houston team, this FC Dallas team, uh, Colorado all sit kind of at the bottom of the Western Conference standings, you're going to get a good game or a, a game where the outcome could be different than what time of possession looks like or what certain opportunities shots on goal look like. So I think that, you know, these next three games are going to be big for sporting. And on one hand, it's it's an advantage to have already seen FC Dallas and Colorado. Uh, really looking forward to this Orlando game just out of the sheer fact that we're going to see a different opponent for the first time and what feels like forever. But uh, no, it, you know, every game there's something on the line and it feels like uh, any upset could happen at any time. So really looking forward to, to this match Saturday at an unusual time too for sporting, 2.30 p.m. It's different. Yeah, I'm just glad that it's 2.30 p.m. in the middle of September and not 2.30 yes. p.m. in the middle of July or August, <laughs> which we've had some of those over the years at Children's Mercy Park. So it, I think it should be uh, just fine in terms of the conditions for that game. It's supposed to be beautiful this weekend yeah. in Kansas City. And by the way, uh, single game tickets are available to the general public this time around for the first phase of the return to home markets. It was just season ticket holders who had access to those tickets. They're opening it up to the general public. If you feel comfortable with it, uh, they, they've, they've had a chance to put these protocols in place for a few games. Now you want to get out there, you can go to sportingkc.com and check out your options right there. And then of course, of the game on Wednesday night at six 30 against Orlando, Ali mentioned that, Hey, there's, there's some exciting players that will be coming to town to watch Carter with that Orlando City team and, and, and a couple of them that really showed out down in, in Orlando for the uh, MLS's back tournament. Yeah, I mean, they, they were the darlings of the tournament. You, a lot of people would have to argue. Um, and it's going to – I'm just like Ali. I just want to see anything different at this point. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to, to see it from that, uh, that respect. But, um, they're, I mean, they're, uh, they look a different Orlando side, and I think – Peter Vermees was asked about it already, um, even before this Dallas game about facing a new team. And he pointed out Oscar Pereja, just a, you know, a fantastic coach. And he's come in and already, already looks to have his hands all over that squad. So he's already done a good job. Um, but I, I just want to go back to Ali's point about each game mattering so much because it's going to be a shortened season. And I think the, the verbiage in the schedule is that, each team will play a maximum of 23 games. So that, you know, that means there's, there's not a whole lot of margin of error here because sure Dallas right now is 
they're uh, currently outside of the playoffs in, in ninth, but they've played two less games than Sporting and are only seven points behind. So, you know, in theory, they're it, it, it's we always say it's tough to win games in hand in MLS, but in theory, they're right up there as well. So um, there's not a lot separating the the top from the bottom in this shortened season, and each of these games is so important. No doubt about it. And then uh, the last game of this uh, this this next three game stretch is Colorado. You mentioned them too, being not not in a, in a great place in the standings, but what a resounding victory they got this past week against an RSL team that looked like they were in the ascendancy. So Diego Rubio with a couple of goals in that game. Um, I think it was it five. They scored five yeah. by the end of it against Real Salt Lake. So and and for Sporting KC, they got to be feeling like we have got to win a game in Colorado for the love of God. It has been, that has been a, a nightmarish place for them, but they have to look at it and say to themselves, this is a place we can and should be able to finally win a game at some point in time. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, that it's just kind of a weird monkey on their back now that they can't seem to shake. And, and Carter, I, I mean, it feels almost like we're just kind of beating this point into the ground, but really like any game, anything could happen and each game carries so much more weight with a shortened season and not much room for error. But, you know, this is a Colorado side that that's motivated that always brings their a game when they play sport in Kansas city. And then, you know, this was a, a big point of emphasis on the broadcast in that last game, but the altitude that that is something that, especially as, you know, the season wears on and, and players, as we've already seen now, dealing with various knocks, at least on Sporting Kansas City after remaining relatively healthy this season. So you and that's the game that they did see Roger Espinosa go down, Winston Reed go down. And so, you know, you would hope that by the time they, they get back there after having that experience of playing there already this season, that, you know, maybe they'll be better prepared if they weren't already from a physical standpoint. But that's always a, a factor in that game. Yeah, and All I right, think that's, go ahead, Carter. Just quickly, as you've said, familiarity breeds contempt, right? We, you talked about that this weekend, and, and I think we're starting to see that in this Colorado matchup. A couple of games this year have been pretty chippy, so I'm kind of mm -hmm. intrigued to see um, if uh, if that little bit of added chippiness to this this matchup will will carry through in that particular game as well. Usually does when you start playing teams over and over and over again, and and yeah. that's going to be the case with both FC Dallas and uh, and Colorado. That's going to do it for us on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show. Our thanks to Felipe Hernandez for joining us, for Carter Augustine, for Ali Trost. This is Nate Katie saying thanks for watching and listening, and we'll see you at 2 o'clock for pregame show on Saturday, 2.30 for kickoff, Sporting KC versus FC Dallas, and we'll see you next week on the Sporting Kansas City Show.